Welcome to Let's Talk Canine Fitness with your hosts, Katerina Mattioli and Dr. Leslie I. Join us for the monthly podcast on all things dog fitness. Young, old, overweight, or athletic, our passion for canine fitness has you covered. Hi, Leslie. How are How's you doing? doing? Fantastic. And you? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Happy when the year is over. Yes. And the days start getting longer. <sighs> yes. Soon. Yes, please. It's so dark here. I hate it. Yeah. Well, we're here today for a mini-sode which is really good. We decided we're talking about the sit pretty in this mini-sode. So it kind of goes along with our last episode on core exercises. Um, Because I'm sure there are plenty of you out there that have heard the sit pretty is like the ultimate core exercise. Yet we did not mention it at all in our core exercise episode. So we wanted to talk a little bit more about that and discuss our thoughts on the sit pretty. And why we didn't mention it. Why it's not in our top. How many? How many did we do? Four? Three. Three? Four? I I can't remember. But it's it's not in our top. Uh, it's not one of our top uh, favorite exercises. So. No. <laughs> um, and here's what I'm gonna start this out with. Okay. While I don't think the sit pretty is a great core exercise, I don't want anyone to go to take from this episode the thought that if they if their dog does a sit pretty, they are breaking their dog. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly still think it is a pretty cute trick um, and can make for some really cute pictures. Um, but that is completely different than doing it on a regular basis for exercise. So, Yeah, and as you said, it's a cute trick. This... Uh... But you need the ground, you need a, sta- a stable core, and don't build this stable core by doing or trying to do this exercise. Yeah. Work up to it. Exactly. So it's a nice trick. It's not a fitness exercise, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, mm-hmm. I don't know, what, what, the evolution of the sit pretty. Um, because you had a really interesting kind of correlation with the sit pretty, um, to the development of fitness, uh, equipment and how yeah. that has changed over time. And like the sit pretty kind of fits with our changing thoughts about canine fitness. Yeah, I think, I think this, this whole canine fitness thing is still a very young discipline. So, so uh, the development in things is going faster than than in in disciplines that that are older and more established. So I was I told what I said before was um, I think it's like we 
we are going slowly away from certain types of equipment. We are because we are learning it, we are all improving. We we know more about the, the dog's body, the muscles, how everything works together. So so also the type of exercises improves or improved. And I think sit pretty is is maybe an exercise from the past. In my opinion, when doing fitness, it's a cute trick, but it's an it's regarding fitness, it's an exercise from the past. We we can do but shouldn't do as maybe shouldn't do or shouldn't do as often uh, because there are better exercises for doing core work. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that what, yeah, when I first started out with rehab and fitness, it definitely seemed like a great exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a lot of different components being well um, trained and also like having that level of fitness. So I remember even in um, developing the canine fitness trainer program, like we put sit pretty in there, but it was a very high level exercise. We wanted the dogs to go through many stages of building fitness before that was even tried. And kind of like we talked about a little bit last time is as we learned more and more about fitness and muscles and everything with the dog, I think we all, a lot of us have taken away the sit pretty and replaced it more with that hiccup type exercise. And I think that's because, at least for me, what I realized with the sit pretty is that it wasn't actually holding the position that was the exercise. It was getting into the position. It was, it was the dog being able to engage their core to pull themselves up into that position. And then once they got into that position, I think a lot of dogs just kind of relax. They find mm-hmm. a point to balance and they're just like, okay, I can sit here forever. Um, and what was really eye-opening to me and why my thoughts on this started to change was when I would have clients come in with, un- unfortunately, of like very obvious out of shape dogs, and they would get really excited and they'd be like, but Fluffy can do a sit pretty and Fluffy can hold it for over a minute. And then they'd show me and sure enough, the dog could get up in a sit pretty and just sit there and hold it forever basically gravity yeah and it was just you know they they just found that balance point and they could relax Mm -hmm. and then when I would do other ask them for other things that I knew engaged the core like a three-legged stand or a diagonal stand or you know all these other exercises they couldn't do them at all they had no idea how to um engage to be able to do those exercises so that really that's what changed my thinking on it of like, well, is this, is holding a sit pretty really getting that core engagement that we think it does? 
Oh, I I don't don't think so. As you said before, I think that the important part of this exercise regarding regarding the the muscles and core is is the 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 movement and not the 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 holding the holding position. I think the holding position uh, bears more uh, problems or um, can be sort of uh, difficult. <laughs> It can be sort of difficult for the body, like uh, when we're talking about impact on spine or or, or impact on, on on muscles, or when they or some dogs then go do are doing a squat in the position. What is about the stifle? Uh, I think these are problems when and when you see how they are holding the positions, how the how the leg position is in that sit pretty position. So I think that's more um, a little bit more problematic than than it is a benefit than the dog benefits from. Yeah, I think that's where you brought up like the main kind of controversy with sit pretty mm-hmm. is definitely when they're in that position, what kind of impact on the vertebrae the uh, yep. you know is is happening um because there's a lot of anatomical differences between the human spine and the canine spine and there's definitely things that make us think that having that vertical or upright position and holding that stress on the spine is is maybe not so good for the canines. Yeah, or going or, or while balancing going into an extension. Right. So they're they're kind of doing that moving and that's putting a lot of mm-hmm. different forces on the spine that may not be the best for it. I didn't even I hadn't even thought about like taking sit pretty to like like you said the squat position of like going <laughs> up and down. Um Actually, I was just thinking about it because I had in one of my classes, one one dog was doing it uh, last week, and I was like, um, "Yeah, I I took a video of that, so maybe mm-hmm. that's uh, something for our group." <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that would be really good to actually post that. Yeah, and so you, break you can it down. see you can see how the the legs legs are, and it's, yeah, but. I think this is really something we have to be careful with uh, doing this as that it could be a nice trick, a cute trick for a picture, but I think it's not something we want to do in, fit- in fitness. Yeah. It's interesting because I definitely try and get my clients to do a squat exercise, but it is not, it's never not with the but not the front is not freestanding yeah it's never a freestanding squat and it's a big progression to get to that point you know we start with different movements on the ground and like we're gradually raising the front end up and pretty much the the closest we'll get to vertical is like I'll let them I'll let the dog target something or rest their front paws on it. That's the yep. same height as their shoulder height. And then they can do the squat. So the, the front end is still taking a lot of the support and it helps with balance. So you're not getting this. It's not in this moment of the back. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that exercise. Like, I think it's a really great exercise, but I don't, 
I personally would never go from that to, okay, now we're taking the equipment away and you're just going to do a squat like a human does a squat with, with I think that it, that's that's the that's the diff, that's the big difference, and I think it's a great. I, I agree, it's a great exercise when the front end has something to hold on, and and the height is is built, but not this free like um here in German you you say it's like a rabbit this rabbit position when oh, the okay. paws are 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 lifted from the ground and then then squatting up and down yeah. i don't like that because that gives a lot of lot of impact on the spine and with, with yeah. this uh, stabilizing movements a dog is has to do yeah and there's so much you can do before that like there's right it's kind of like You would never go to the gym having never done any kind of squat exercise and immediately be, you know, have a hundred pounds on your back and be told to do squats. Like you would start with the very basic movement and you'd work on that for a long time and then slowly build it up. And I think that's. I mean, first you have the movement and then you have a, a, a plain bar. Yeah, that's that's enough. And then you put the then you start slowly, slowly put weight on it. And I just think sometimes with canine fitness, people want to go really fast. They want to skip all those steps. They want to go straight to that. I'm squatting 100 pounds. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think that's that's the problem, um, and I was talk actually talking about in another podcast. Um, um, hello, Jenny, <laughs> and uh, and we were talking about it because she mentioned something that was very very interesting to me. Uh, I saw it on 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 Instagram that um, fitness canine fitness is not trick training, and and that was uh, that. And that's for me, I, I saw it and I was like, exactly, that's it. Yes. I think there's a lot of people thinking it's the same kind of thing. I see it a lot too. And it does, it drives me crazy because I'm like, yes. fitness isn't, yeah, it's not tricks. Like you don't go to the gym and say, I'm here to do tricks. Like... You're, yeah, I, I I said that it's like 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 when I'm a, like a circus artist, they aren't doing, they aren't just go do and do all these tricks. They do the groundwork, and that's what we are doing. Canine fitness is the groundwork. Yes, yes, canine fitness is gonna make your tricks better. Exactly, but... or makes your body able to handle the, or do the tricks. Yes, yes, I love that. That is such a great way to put it and I had never I'd never thought about that before I just <laughs> would sit there and go why does everyone think this is tricks um or that, think that like, it, it, it isn't or teaching it is a trick the, or getting fitness and it's like no it's the basics to be able to do the tricks nice so yeah. it's some it's it's the ground for doing this and or for doing another sport Yeah, exactly. I love that. It's perfect. I'm gonna like write that out. And like, sit pretty is a trick. So I agree. <laughs> I think sit pretty is a trick. I think it's cute. I think 
Um, yeah, I mean, you get a lot of great pictures. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Um, but it isn't something like, like I said, I'm, I might teach my dogs how to do it so I can get a cute picture, mm-hmm. but I'm yep. not going to have sit pretty built into my workouts and be doing like repetitions or duration of it. Um, if for some reason I like a sit pretty ever pops in to my mind and this never happens anymore, but it used to, as I was making the transition, I have mm-hmm. taught myself, you just replace that with hiccup and then yeah. it works. Exactly. So I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the thing. It's a nice trick, but this is why it wasn't in our top how many it ever was. Yeah. <laughs> Ex- core exercises. <laughs> you do the other exercises to do the nice trick. Exactly. So, let's. <laughs> um, so we did have kind of a question about that mm-hmm. come up because I think there is some people watch the hiccup and they like yes, look at yes. it and they go, but that's the exact same movement as a sit pretty. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are similarities, but I actually think they're quite different. Um, and the biggest thing with the hiccup is just because of the setup and and how you're doing it, it's a lot, I don't know if I want to use the word safer or easier or it's just, different. I, it's I don't different. worry about like that impact on the spine that I might get with a sit pretty. I think the only the only thing you can re- you, you really can compare is is in the beginning when you have that momentum of lifting the paws. Mm-hmm. But with the hiccup you never go into this um was it Vert- vertical? Yeah. yeah, vertical position with the spine. It's just like you, they lift and, and go back go right and then they the- go with go down before and the spine is what is maybe yes. 60 degrees maybe 60 degrees from yeah i think um if you're if you know if anyone is is unsure and they they really want to kind of compare the movements what mm. i would say to do is like set up a camera from the side ask the dog to do a sit pretty if they can, and then have them do a hiccup. And and you will see the difference in the spinal movement Um, because it is, yeah, you never really get to that vertical. You know, sometimes it happens, especially like I will say with my older dogs who I had before I made the transition away from the sit pretty. Mm -hmm. They do often, as they pull themselves up, sometimes they they go all the way into that vertical for a split second before they go into the sit. And I think that's just reinforcement history for them because they have been reinforced for doing sit pretties. And we did a lot of it when they were younger. Yeah. It- but my younger dogs, that doesn't happen because they don't, they've never been taught to hold, go into a sit pretty and hold it. So, but I think I think the, the confusion with younger dogs that have not haven't been 
teach to do sit pretty then it's a handling question yeah. what the what the what the what the handler is doing with with with, the, with his own with his hands i think that's the that's then the problem that they are go too close to the vertical yeah. uh, position i yeah. think that's that's something that could be changed very easily yeah. while changing handling techniques yeah and then i think obviously the other big difference with the hiccup is it's a it's a movement like we're never asking them to stop and hold a position versus the sit pretty um the two the held positions in the hiccup are a rear pod target stand and a yeah. sit and we know yeah. like those those are fine um, it's actually just the 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 beginning of the movement that is the that is that's the same. Mm-hmm. That's that's it, in my opinion. Yeah. How the, so, how I've seen the dogs doing it, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe exactly. someone disagrees. <laughs> um, probably they do, but I mean that's. <laughs> I think that's how I rationalize it in my head, yeah. like the difference, and I think a lot of it comes just from. observation filming it watching it comparing the two movements um and you really can't see the difference exactly i think but yeah and when you have seen a dog moving back and forth and stabilizing it hurt it hurts myself when i see it because it's like oh my god oh my god the dog is please save this dog it's falling falling down right yeah um, not something we want at all no (sighs) okay so i think it's it's really something uh of development knowledge and experience that that this exercise is no longer is is a is an exercise (laughs) (laughs) thank you that that's yeah we all learn and um yeah it has changed a lot in the past years i think it's maybe four or five years that this yeah we're still like you said it's it's a very young field and that means Mm -hmm. we're still in this time where changes occur very fast um exactly we're you know our knowledge is also growing very fast you know there may come a point in the in the profession down the road where things go slower because we feel like we've learned a lot and there's not as much new to discover. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, some things we did 10 years ago today, sometimes I think, Oh my God, when yeah. I see, or, 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 or six years ago, it's like, why the hell did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. We did it then, but now with with everything I know now, I would never ever do it again. Exactly, exactly. Because because it makes no sense. Not that, not that it was dangerous for dog, but it makes no sense. It's not. I mean, who knows? Maybe five years from now, we'll look back and be like, everything we said in twenty twenty one was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then we learned something. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> cool well hopefully everyone understands our thoughts on sit pretty now um it does look like we have a little bit of time for a quick patron question 
So we have one question from Brittany about hind end awareness. And she specifically asked, what are the best ways you have, or let me start over. What are the best ways you have found to teach pups of all sizes and breeds hind end awareness? I, so I think first let's talk a little bit about what hind end awareness is. Um, because I think probably it's, it's defined a little differently by people. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just kind of understanding that the dog has rear legs that can move independently from yeah. each other and from the front. Um, exactly. So it's just about recognizing that that's there and they can do things. So it's, it's and that they are weight bearing. Yeah, because I think for me, I my general kind of the way I think a lot of dogs look at their body or feel with their body is they don't recognize that Mm. like the back half is there. That back half just kind of follows the front half. Um, So I think there are lots of things you can do for hind end awareness. Um, And that you should do a lot of different things for it. I think just teaching one thing isn't necessarily a complete picture of hind end awareness for the dog. Um, so, I mean, my basic go-to is targeting. Um, so that's, that's what I start with either, you know, rear end targeting or, individual paw targeting and rear paw targeting yeah and moving in different directions that was gonna be my other yeah exactly sideways i think yeah moving like backing up sideways pivoting all of those also build hind end awareness but do you make a difference um in sizes of dogs i don't do that so I, I, maybe i mean file choosing equipment or size of yeah. centimeters or whatever but i don't do i do not on purpose meaning like i don't look at a dog and say okay this dog is x breed and this size so i need to teach it this way i start the same way with every dog mm-hmm. what i find is that yes some dogs one method might make more sense to them than others so yeah but this is individual and not and doesn't have to do with the size in my opinion it's just where they where are they in in their uh awareness of the rear so this is I, i i decide it's individually yes but it has nothing to do it's the equipment i choose for doing things um that size uh, relevant but not um what exercise i'm doing yeah i i agree and i think also the younger you start this mm-hmm. the easier it is to use that kind of method of like this is how i this is how i teach dogs to do it okay that didn't work let me try something else 
Um, I think if they're young, it usually, I don't know, goes faster, works better versus if you've got an older dog that you're trying to teach, they've already developed habits and movement patterns that may be a little harder to get, you know, convince them to try something different. Um, I actually always include it in my stacking training. I start with the young dogs. It's always a part of, part of this, this training to, while I want to correct the the free stack, it's, they have to know, they have to know how to place the rear end. So this is part of it. Yeah, so I me started too. at a very like I, young age. I would say it's like one of the first things I teach mm. the puppies, mm. like any puppy that yep. comes to me, um, any of my own puppies. And I just do it through strategic equipment placement, basically, because, yep. um, so I, you know, I always the first thing I build with puppies, and I hope owners build with puppies, is a strong um need or want to be close to the person um so I use that to my advantage of like oh if I stand in a specific position the dog is going to want to come towards me Mm -hmm. I can then place the equipment in such a way that most likely their rear paws are going to end up on it at some point as they come towards me and then I can just reinforce for that yeah, and they um, land on it, and then it's, it's... Yeah, and we just build from there. Yeah. So that's that's what, yeah, we do. I think the other kind of, you know, I don't know, the we, I mean, I talk about this for just dog trainers in general. I mean, part of being a good dog trainer is being able to change your plan or your approach based on what the dog is showing you. So like I said, I may start out like that and the dog is showing me this amazing rear end awareness to avoid stepping on something because that's rear end awareness too. And (laughs) then I I change things up. I say, okay, we're going to make this different. Um, And all I'm looking for really is a way, you know, and this, like I said, this is kind of universal for all my dog training is I'm, I'm looking for something for the dog to do so that I can reinforce it. You know, I want to, to change my environment, change the setup to, to get closer and closer to the behavior I want. So like, it may not be at the beginning that I get the dog touching something with their rear paws, but maybe they like lift a rear leg up and kind of hover it or get really close to touching. I'm going to reinforce that. And, you know, and so again, part of training this is being able to also see the splits in behavior and be able to know those are okay to be reinforced as well so yeah i always lay down different options and and one of these options is always working yeah so when it's being flexible yeah yeah. Yeah, and, and and working with the individual, it's not, it's not, yeah. and that it, it has nothing to bo- do about the size of the dog. Yeah. That was our deep dive into dog training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that pretty much wraps up what we had planned for our mini So we're gonna finish up with our fun fact. Woohoo! Yeah. What's it today? 
So, Shoot. so today's fun fact is that greyhounds can beat cheetahs in a race. And you might be saying, no way. Cheetahs are super fast. Greyhounds are definitely not as fast. And that is true. Cheetahs can go as fast as 70 miles per hour, while greyhounds really only reach a top speed of 35 miles per hour. But cheetahs can only maintain that speed for about 30 seconds, whereas greyhounds can maintain 35 miles per hour for seven miles or about seven miles. So if you put them in a race, yes, the cheetah would start out ahead and, you know, just take off right from the start, but the greyhounds will catch up and overtake them, obviously, unless the, the race is less than 30 seconds. If it's less than a 30-second race, the cheetah's going to win. If it's over 30 seconds, the greyhound has a chance. But isn't that nice? It's like, I mean, you can take this, like, compared to canine fitness. So if you yeah. start slower, in the, end, in the end, you will win the race. Yes, I love that. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. So, our next episode, shoulders. Shoulder. So get ready for that. It's coming shortly. Yeah, and maybe we, we have to thank everyone for the awesome fitness we got for the last uh, episode. Yes. Thanks, everyone. It was uh, awesome. We're glad we got- you liked it. Um, and we hope, yeah, it makes us excited to keep doing the rest that of the series. <laughs> yeah, keep talking about different our our favorite exercise for different body parts. So, yay! Well, I guess we'll sign it's off. It's time. Yeah. yeah, we'll say yeah. first. We'll say happy holidays to everyone. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. But don't forget, even during the holidays, you've got to to stay stay fit and stay in the game. game. Bye. talk canine fitness if you enjoyed our podcast don't forget to subscribe rate and review on your favorite podcast app you can find us on facebook instagram and online at www.letstalkcaninefitness.com want some bonuses support us on patreon Every month, we will release a mini-sode exclusively from Patreon questions, plus other special bonuses you will find only on the Let's Talk Canine Fitness Patreon page. This episode was produced by Leslie Ide and Katerina Mattioli. Music written and performed by Moonfly. Music provided by PremiumBeat.com.